You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Good morning, everybody. Let me see, where are my monitors? There they are. I think my switcher thing is coming on. Well, I do want to uh, just uh, thank the Marichis for having us out. Um, it is uh, just a, an honor, it's a, it's a privilege, it's a pleasure to um, be able to have uh, people like the Marichis as uh, partners in the gospel. Knowing that the, the Word of God is being preached all over California, being preached uh, all over Vegas, being preached all over the world. And so we are super, super grateful uh, to have that relationship that has spanned a couple of decades. And um, as you see behind me, that's a picture of my family. I put that up there because that's one good thing that I did in my life. All right. Um, you have uh, obviously my wife and then my oldest with the glasses, Donovan, and then my daughter, Drew. She's uh, my, my, my oldest is in, in college and then my daughter, Drew, and then my son, Dylan, who are both in high school. And so just really grateful. To me, that's just a testimony of God's faithfulness to us. And I know many of you could put your picture up there. Uh, and I just want to thank you guys for your faithfulness. You know, you're here. That's a testimony. Amen. Because for us old timers, we can look around and there are some people who aren't here. Okay. And, and I know that you guys have been doing a, a series in Daniel and been talking about the eye of the storm. And today we're going to be talking about courageous consistency. And I want to make sure for the friends and the guests who are coming and, and for the members of the South Bay Church, this lesson isn't a lesson to get you started. This is a lesson to spur you on. And you say, what's the difference? Well, a, a lesson that says, hey, let's get started implies you're not doing anything. And for me to show up on your doorstep and to assume you're not doing anything is not a good thing. But to show up and say, guys, because I, I, I've talked to Steve and, and Jackie and just the things you guys are doing, I really believe this is just a message to spur you on to consistently keep being courageous. Keep doing what you're doing, because I believe that if you are uh, consistently courageous, God will bless with immense blessings that you guys can't even imagine. So keep, on, keep up the good work. So who knows what this is? It's a metronome. Okay, Steve got my notes early, so he knows exactly what it is. <laughs> there you go, there you go. So what's a metronome for? Use it. It gives out a consistent beat. And as disciples of Jesus or those who are seeking to be disciples of Jesus, we know that God is consistent. The tough thing is for us to be consistent. And it's tough to be consistent when the pressure's not on. But can you imagine trying to be consistent when the pressure is on? It can be very, very challenging. And so we're going to talk about Daniel and focus on him. So be turning in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 6. And 
Just a little bit of background. During this time, we, you guys, many have known this, but if you're a friend this morning for the first time, I just want to make sure the train doesn't leave the station and we leave you at the, at, at the boarding place. So basically, this is uh, talking about a time where uh, the southern kingdom had gone into a captivity under the Babylonians. Uh, the Babylonians were then conquered by the Medo-Persian Empire. Uh, and this is kind of where we pick up the story where Daniel is under King Darius. Uh, Daniel was taken as a very young boy, raised up in leadership, uh, was consistent in his leadership, and under Darius made himself or distinguished himself so much so that Darius wanted to put him in charge of everything. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you have been at your job for over five years? Ten years? Fifteen years? 20 years. Man, some of some gold watches about to come up, all right? <laughs> 25? 30? See, the 30-year-olds don't want it. The 30 ones, they said, man, I'm going to start revealing my age, okay? Uh, we'll stop at 30. Congratulations. Okay, congratulations. Because those are the ones that can kind of relate to what Daniel... Daniel was in his position for many decades and many years, and he distinguished himself, and he was consistent. And in verse 1, it says, Darius decided to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom, stationed throughout the realm, and over them three administrators, including Daniel. These satraps would be accountable to them so that the king would not be defrauded. Daniel distinguished himself above the administrators and satraps because he had an extraordinary spirit so that the king planned to set him over the whole realm. You know, before we get into that message, I want to uh, remind us of a scripture. Matthew chapter 5, verse, I probably should have brought my glasses up here, so, uh, amen, I'm going to do my best, I might have to walk up closer, okay. <laughs> In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good work, good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, this is your goal in life. It is not to climb the corporate ladder for the sake of climbing a corporate ladder. It is not to get straight A's in high school or college for the sake of getting straight A's in college or in high school. It is to bring glory to God. Now, you can feel good about getting straight A's, but you better give the glory to God. If you've been married for any length of time, if your kids are normal, give glory to God. The normal is whatever you decide it to be. It is about glorifying God. And that's the thing that I want us to see. If you don't get anything out of Daniel chapter 6, I want you to get this. This was written after Daniel, but Daniel had this heart that everything that he did, he did for God to receive glory. Because see, if it's up to God to get the glory, kind of the pressure is off you in one sense for trying to seek recognition. But the pressure is on for God to be glorified. So since God wants to be glorified and we want God to be glorified, that's a pretty powerful tandem right there. You and God. Because you and God, that's the majority. Amen. Amen. And Daniel definitely, he, it says that he distinguished himself in a way 
that we will see later on truly brought glory to God. And so you have this picture here where that red one is Daniel. That red one should be you. See, it says Daniel distinguished himself because he had an extraordinary spirit. When I was in Tallahassee, I, I, I served in the paid ministry for about six years and then uh, went through some health challenges. Basically, I suffer from depression. Okay, um, they're not sure why I've uh, when I was five, I had a severe head injury. I played football, had many concussions. So they're not sure why, but I suffer from depression. Some of you may or may not relate. Uh, you know, you said, how severe was it? It was kind of one of those depressions where you're driving along and you, you're trying to figure out if running into a tree can be made to look like an accident and God would forgive you. And so when I hit that point and realized I, I'm, I'm struggling with some depression, um, I decided to step out of the ministry because I didn't feel right taking any more money from the church when I felt like I, I've got to get some things in order. And the church was very gracious. They didn't ask me to step down. I voluntarily stepped down. And I went into a profession that would help my depression. I taught high school science. <laughs> any teachers? Any teachers? <laughs> so you know it helps depression. Okay. So... Daniel distinguished himself and we're called to distinguish ourselves. But what distinguished him was his spirit. In some translations, it says his skill. And I believe maybe it was a little bit of both. But his spirit, his body language, how he acted, what he did was so different that Darius was like, I want to put you in charge of more things. Now, think about when you go to work. Is your spirit different? I know when I went into teaching, there were teachers that were there for 20, 25, 30 years. I was a new kid on the block. Of course I was excited because I hadn't been baptized by fire yet. <laughs> and the attitude was just, just wait, you'll see. <laughs> and after about three or four years, you know, I realized, you know, teaching that I remember telling my students one time, when the doors are closed, there's no one but you and God. Right. And many of us serve in jobs where we don't have a boss micromanaging us. Right. We don't have someone hanging over us. But when the doors close, it's just us and God. Right. And the question is, do we perform our jobs or do we keep our spirits high when no one else is looking? And I remember one of my students, because I would correct them on their speech, I'd correct them on their language, and I was a, you know, I was a science teacher, and, and, one te and one student got so frustrated and said, man, Mr. Stewart, how come you're always making us do what's right? <laughs> and I was like, because God is my boss and he's always watching. I taught in Georgia, by the way, not in California, okay? <laughs> You can get away with that in Georgia. In Georgia, in Georgia, there would be teachers in the teacher's lounge saying, man, I had to come to Jesus talk with my class. I mean, so you could talk about God and stuff like that. But I remember saying that the principal is not my boss. Jesus 
is my boss. God is my boss. And there is never going to be an excuse for me not to do what is right. And Daniel had that same attitude. And I pray that that is the same attitude that you have. That you distinguish yourself not by being obnoxious, because we can distinguish ourselves that way. Not by being sarcastic, because we definitely can distinguish ourselves that way. Not by being jaded, but by every day waking up and saying, I have an opportunity to serve the Lord of the universe. I have an opportunity to have a job first and foremost, but I have an opportunity to bring glory to God. And if that's our attitude, you're going to stand out. And he definitely distinguished himself. And it goes on to say, the administrators and satraps, therefore, kept trying to find a charge against Daniel regarding the kingdom. So they were trying to find a flaw. Now, some of us work in very supportive atmospheres. Some of us work in very unsupported atmospheres. Where when you start to progress or you start to experience success, instead of uh, joy, you experience some envy and jealousy. And we'll talk about that in a second. It says, but they could find no charge of corruption for he was trustworthy. No negligence or corruption was found in him. Then these men said, we will never find any charge against this Daniel unless we find something against him concerning the law of his God. You know, if you've worked for 30 years for the same company, you can tell those who are starting maybe a year or two years in, there's no shortcut. Daniel distinguished himself because there was no shortcut for him to get the character that he got, but by living the life that he lived. And I know there's a mixture of ages here. You've got your boomers, you've got your Gen Xers, you've got your millennials. And it's always funny because no matter what age you are, you always wish you were a different age. <laughs> the younger wish they were older, the older wish they were younger. I don't know what age you are when you said, I'm pretty happy with my age. <laughs> right now. But... The one thing that I want to share is there are no shortcuts. Daniel was known to be trustworthy, no corruption, not negligent. That spoke to a character that was molded over years. You know, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29 says, do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. Daniel served before kings because he was good at what he did. But he was good at what he did because he did not take shortcuts. No corruption or negligence. Nothing was found in his work that was impeachable. That's convicting. Because I know when I was a teacher, when those doors are closed, the temptation to take shortcuts were many. The temptations not to abide by the policies were many. And I remember, you know, early on just thinking to myself, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to mess up. I don't want to mess up. So I did everything by the book. By three years into it, I realized something. No one checks. I want this report done. I want this report done. I want this report done. You do all the reports and they go into a file. And no one looks at the file. 
So it was a test of my heart and my character to keep doing the reports the way they wanted me to do the reports, even though I knew that no one would look at them. And I remember talking to older teachers and they were like, don't do it. That's going to pass. That's going to go away. No one looks at them anyway and everything. Like that. And the temptation to buy into negligence is great. So, like I said, this is a spurring on message. So I am assuming that in your jobs, at your schools, and whatever you do, that there's no negligence. That there's no corruption. Because see, our goal is to bring glory to God. And God should be able to come in and look at our work, look at our effort, look at our lives. Say, man, you're working hard. No shortcuts. You might say, well, there's a couple of shortcuts. Stop it. (laughs) Just make a decision to stop it. And start doing what is right. So he started doing what he, he was always doing what's right. And it says, so the administrators and satraps went together to the king and said to him, may King Darius live forever. All the administrators of the kingdom, the prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an edict that for 30 days, anyone who petitions any God or man except you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den. Now, anybody have someone ever lie about them or lie on them? How does that make you feel? You're like, Lord, just turn away one second. It's only going to take one second. It's just going to take one second, Lord. Just one, one left hook, one right hook, Lord. That's all it's going to take. See, when you strive and you set out to do great things to the glory of God, you will receive opposition. Either from physical people or from our spiritual enemy, the devil. And we have to understand, and this is a great quote that you can read that I can't. It says, great spirits have always encountered violent opposition from mediocre minds. You see, when you show up to your job with a different spirit, with excellence in mind, you make everyone else look bad that are mediocre and that aren't striving for excellence. But see, the temptation can be, well, I don't want to stand out. If you're going to stand out, stand out for being excellent. Not for other things. Daniel stood out for being excellent. And what happened? They hated on him. They hated everything about Daniel and they wanted to get him. And so they came up with a lie and appealed to the pride of Darius to make an edict that everyone should pray and petition him instead of their gods. What was the lie? He said, they said, oh, everybody agrees. Daniel wouldn't have agreed. Because Daniel would never pray to a man. Just like us, we, we understand God is in control of all things, not man. Therefore, if man calls us to compromise, we stand on our convictions because God is in control. And so King Darius said, hey, that sounds like a great thing. Appeals to my pride, makes me feel good. Let's do it. And he did it. He signed that decree. See, we live in a society and many of you and how many high schoolers do we have in here? Tell me if this is true. Because it was true when I taught high school. 
When you start to succeed, others start to feel bad and they start pulling you, try to pull you down. It's like crabs in a bucket. As soon as one crab starts getting to the edge, the other crab tries to pull themselves up by pulling that other crab down. God forbid that happens in the church. You ever been called too spiritual? People ever not talk to you because you're going to challenge them with scripture and the word of God? People ever see brother so-and-so coming, about to share his quiet time, they turn the other way like, oh man, I ain't got time for that. Mm. God forbid that the bucket of crabs exists in the church. You know what I love? is the growth in the, in the Vegas church, and one of the things that I see growth in, we talk about three things, reach up, reach in, and reach out. Always reaching up to God, building your relationship with God, and from that overflow of connecting with God, of reaching up, it flows into reaching in and building relationships with the brothers and sisters. And from that overflow, it's just natural to reach out to strangers and neighbors and co-workers because you have so much love from your love for God and love for each other. You want to share it and you just want it to, to just pour over. and You want other people to experience what you experience. And so you'll hear us talk about reaching up, reaching in, reaching out all the time. My prayer for the South Bay Church is that there will be people that says, you know, I might have been afraid of being looked at as too spiritual because I always want to talk about God. And I'm going to throw that fear away. And I'm going to open up God's word in our D times. We still have D times? Just checking. Just, you got to check nowadays. Okay, you got to check nowadays. But see, our D times consistent of, consisting of God's word and prayer and calling each other higher or making us feel good in our mediocrity. If we don't leave our times together called, not being called higher to be close to God, what is that time for? I tell our church, if it's not about reaching up, reaching in or reaching out, you're wasting your time. Don't do it. So if you get together and have Starbucks and, and enrich Starbucks, but you haven't reached up, reached in or reached out, it's a waste of time. Don't do it. Yeah. Get your money back if you can. <laughs> and say, let's go back and let's talk about, let's make sure that in our mission points, we're about the mission. All right. Daniel was about the mission and he got all sorts of persecution because there are a lot of people around him wanting to be mediocre. I trust that no one in here wants to be mediocre. Therefore, you're going to encourage each other to be excellent in their relationship with God. So he, he devises his plan. And then what happens in verse 10? When Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went into his house, the window, the windows in his upper room opened toward Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees, prayed, and gave thanks to his God, just as he had done before. What was, what was Daniel's default when opposition came? It was to hit his knees. Amen. Daniel said, I know what they've done, and I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to get me to compromise my faith. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and fight them. I'm going to go and tell them what for. That's not what he did. You know what he did? He fell to his knees. He says, God, you got, to, you, you, you got this. 
you have to do the heavy lifting, Lord, because I've got people out against me. Ever feel like there are people at work or at school against you? Yeah. Ever feel like you have a boss and you're just like, get behind me, Satan, but you don't tell him that? <laughs> but you feel that? Man, God forbid that you're the Satan that other people are telling you to get by, you know what I'm saying? Because I know I'm talking to some bosses out there, amen? His response was prayer. And it goes on to say that when Darius found out, and again, he prayed three times, and it's interesting. Look up 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 38 and 39. It's Solomon's prayer saying that if, if, we, if, if, if they go into exile and from exile they turn toward Jerusalem and pray and, and ask for help and ask for forgiveness, that God would hear their prayer. Daniel did this three times. I believe Daniel did this from day one of captivity. That he prayed three times a day toward Jerusalem, praying in the spirit of 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 38 and 39. I believe he did that. So you're talking about decades of prayer, decades of getting on his knees, decades of crying out to God, decades of three times a day praying to God. Amen. When Darius found out that his, his boy had broken the decree, it says he was sorely displeased. And others, it says in verse 14, he was greatly distressed. You know what Darius's mode was? Stress. It said he did everything in his power to rescue Daniel. That's in there for a reason. Daniel was the one being assaulted by the enemy and Daniel went to the one that can solve the problem. Darius was a perpetrator of the problem and he did everything in his power to rescue Daniel and he couldn't. Got any tired disciples out there? Because like Darius, your default mode is stress instead of prayer. When the going gets tough, the disciples get on their knees. And that's super, super important for us to understand because what are we teaching the next generation? If the next generation sees the older generations as stressed out, tired, and worn out yeah. trying to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Can't do it. Some of us, we need to, and, and I love the definition of default, of what it means for, for default. It says a selection made usually automatically or without active consideration due to a lack of a viable alternative. When trouble comes your way, because it will come, what's your default? What do you do automatically without thinking? Do you pray or do you stress? Do you pray or do you gripe? Do you pray or go call a brother or sister? Do you pray or go get some coffee? <laughs> We've got to be a church and a family that prays. Amen. That our default is God. Our default is getting on our knees. Why? Because God is the only one who can rescue us out of many, if not every, situation that comes our way. Amen. And so they went. And they told Darius, hey, you've got to stick by your guns because a, a law cannot be repealed in the Medo-Persian uh, legal system. You can't repeal it. 
And so he had to take Daniel and throw him into the lion's den. And we know that he did. We know the story. He threw Daniel in there. And I love what he says in verse 15. It says, these men went to the king and said to him, you as king know it's a law of the Medes and the Persians that no edict or ordinance the king has established can be changed. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually. Now, Daniel was known to be a person who continually served God. What are you known for? That's a challenging question. Because we know what we want to be known for, right? But what are you known for? Are you known on the job by your co-workers who may be believers or non-believers as a person who continually serves God? Or are you known as a person that they don't know who's going to show up that day? Okay, when you battle with depression, you're not sure how you're going to wake up in the day. You're not sure if you're going to wake up gloom and doom or if you're going to wake up like, man, I'm ready to face the day. I will confess there are days where I wake up and there's a there's a there's a there's like a sigh. Gosh, I woke up. Jesus, you didn't come back. I'm not in heaven. Guess I got to roll out of bed onto my knees and face the day. Can anyone relate? Okay, I thought I was all alone. That wouldn't have helped my depression if I was all alone. <laughs> I'm so bad. <laughs> what are you known for? Teens, what are you known for in your house? It's so funny because at our house, our teens are one way. We go to their school and they're like, you know, we have one, I'm not going to tell you which child, but one child is very introspective and an introvert and in the house, very reserved. And, and you go to the school, everybody's like, hey, what's up, so-and-so? Hey, hey. I'm like. That's my child that you guys are talking to? And it's like, do you know them? And he's like, yeah. I said, how come you don't say? He, they were so cool that they didn't even say hi back. And I was like, that's a, that's a hard child. <laughs> but what are you known for at home, team? The awesome thing, you know, about being a teen that's striving to know God or, or has a relationship with God is you're still young. You get to define your whole life starting now. Amen. You don't have a reputation that necessarily goes before or drags behind. You're forming it right now. And some of us who are older, we're, we're trying to fight against the reputation we created. And I just want to encourage you, if you're a teen, if you're a campus, think about what you're striving to be. And what type of reputation you want to have. Not for just show, but who you really are deep down inside. But that's for all of us. That's for all of us. Because we're going to get into some lion den, lion's dens and we're going to have to decide and find out, hey, are we serving God continually or is this the first time I hit my knees to pray because I'm seeing a lion standing in front of me? See, every time Daniel hit his knees, it prepared him for that time. 
every time he prayed and asked God for help and asked God to return him from from captivity, it prepared him for that time. Every time you pray, every deep time, every time someone challenges you to become more and more like Christ, it's preparing you for your lion's den. That's not the time to be courageously consistent. Although if you're going to start, that might be a good time to start. But you have an opportunity now while you're not in the lion's den to decide to be courageously consistent in your prayer life, in your excellence. See, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 and 32 says, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. Been there, done that. But those whose hope is in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Some of you have been courageous and consistent in your faith. Are you ready to soar? Is a question. Daniel prayed and prayed and prayed for decades. And he was able to see through Cyrus, God working through Cyrus, the return to the promised land of his people. But he started praying when he was a young child or a young man and saw the dream recognized when he was older. Some of us, you you have been courageously consistent. And I want to call you to continue to be because the prayers that you have prayed have not fallen on deaf ears. Some of you are praying for your adult children. And you hit your knees. And with every ounce of faith that you have, you pray for their salvation. You pray for God to influence them. See, the question is, are you waiting expectantly? Some may be praying for whatever, to see explosive growth or to see your mission point grow, to see your marriage healed. Are you going to be consistently courageous enough to keep praying? Though you don't see it, you may not see it in a year. You may not see it in two years. You may not see it in a decade. But if you're going to go to a prayer meeting for rain, you better bring an umbrella. If you're going to pray for your adult children to be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ, you better be living it. You better be ready to answer their questions when they come and say, hey, what does it take to be saved? If you're praying for promotion and more responsibility, get ready. If you're praying to grow in your hope, your perseverance or your character, what do you think you need to be prepared for? Suffering. Suffering. That's something we talk, we talk a lot about that. Not because we have a bad marriage. But we talk about that a lot because we want kids of character. And so they've got to suffer. We do not, we try not to be spoilers of the process of building character in our children or spoilers of the process of seeing character built in the disciples that we serve. But like I said, if you're praying for something, be ready. Some of us, it's just a matter of a little more time 
before we start soaring because we've waited on God. So we know the story, and I'm going to wrap it up here because I went way over time. Daniel chapter 6, verse 25. We know he was rescued. We know the people that accused him were fired by getting thrown into the lion's den themselves. Look at what it says. Then King Darius wrote to those of every people, nation, and language who live in all the earth. God has always wanted to be the God of all nations. And this one act, well, actually the culmination of his consistent courageousness through prayer and excellence resulted in this. This edict that went out from Darius to all languages and all people, may your prosperity abound. I issue a decree that in all my royal dominion, people must tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For he is a living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed. His dominion has no end. He rescues and delivers. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. For he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. What a testimony. Based off of Daniel's courage and uncompromising nature, based on his character and his excellence, based, I believe, on his relationship with God that was forged on his knees. He fulfilled Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, before Matthew 5, verse 16 was even written. By his good deeds and his good works, God was given glory. So just a couple of practicals. Number one, you say, well, what do I do with all of this? Daniel's great, but we're not in Babylonia or we're not in Medo-Persia. Man, I work at Northrop Grumman. I, I, I work at Kmart. And does Kmart even exist anymore? <laughs> I never shopped there. I just saw it driving by. So what do I do with all of this? Number one, make a decision to be courageously consistent in viewing everything you do as an act of worship. Everything. I'm about to go mow the lawn. Mow it for the Lord. I'm about to wash dishes. Wash them for the Lord. I'm about to go to, go to my work and overtime. And I, they, I told them I don't want to work overtime, but I got to work overtime. Do it for the Lord. And see if people will not start saying, man, what has gotten into you? That's the response you want. If you've not been doing it and you start doing it, that's the response you want because that's an open door to say, God has gotten into me. Jesus Christ has gotten into me. I've come to my senses, man. And let me show you the power of God. Number two, oh, I think I covered it. Work as unto the Lord. Do everything as unto the Lord. Number three, pray continually. You know, we get into this habit of, I've prayed and i prayed and i prayed, and God still hasn't answered our prayer. Sometimes God's answer isn't no, it's just not yet. And he's just saying, keep praying. But I'm not getting anywhere. Oh, believe me, you are getting somewhere. Your character is being shaped. Your character is being formed and you're being prepped for the blessings that are coming. Because can you imagine what type of children we would be if every time we prayed, God just gave it to us? Imagine what type of children you would have of every time they asked for something, you just gave it to them. They didn't have to work for it. They didn't have to persevere. They didn't have to have character. You just gave it, gave it, gave it, gave it, gave it. And some of you are like, what's wrong with that? Your kid will tell you. Number four, 
Make everything you do about God's glory. The question isn't whether or not you're doing it. I, I really believe that you are. But there might be one or two practicals up there that you can decide today, hey, this is what I'm, I'm going to start doing that. So that when everything is said and done, when this question is asked to us, the answer will be yes. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.